Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. And with me again, as always, is Steve. How's it going, Steve? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. This is a, this is a really good double batch right yeah. now. Yeah, we've got Alien and Scanners, two kind of like classic sci-fi horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, the, I mean, the one today has probably one of... A gift that is used so often from it. Well, it was interesting because, yeah, Scanners is the movie this week. I I watched the trailer for this because, like, sometimes I'll look up where a movie is on Just Watch, which is a great site. Mm-hmm. I love that site. Like, you can just look yeah. it up, and it'll just tell you, like, this is where you can find this movie or the show or whatever. And mm-hmm. they oftentimes have the trailer, and I was like, I don't think I've ever seen the trailer for Scanners. And I watch it, and it's literally verbatim that scene. Like yeah. verbatim, uh, so it's no wonder it's so popular because you know not only was it uh, in the movie itself, but it was also used to promote the movie as well. So, um, but it's interesting that in watching the movie that that scene takes place like pretty early, like within the first like five ten minutes of the movie, is, you get that that scene. So, which was originally the first scene of the movie, but then Cronenberg moved it for late moviegoers, which. I think it's probably for people that were late to the movie, because then all of a sudden you get the these um, the scene with um, uh, Stephen. What the fuck is his name? The lead star of this one. Oh, you mean the guy that was in like three other movies and then he just disappeared yeah. from Hollywood? Yeah. Yeah, I he was in Dead Ringers. Was the other was one of the other ones? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they instead they put the the mall scene with him opens the movie instead, but yeah. the 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 scenes were were flipped before and, and uh that um that opening scene with uh with head explody uh next to uh revok revok uh is is the uh was supposed to be the opening scene um yeah this this movie is fucking iconic uh but yeah. my hot take is besides that op- besides that scene with the with the head explosion um i think this movie's predominantly a uh sci-fi film yeah it's uh it definitely toes the line on like genres and it's oftentimes i i think when you look at it online it's oftentimes firstly classified as a horror movie and then a sci-fi mm-hmm. and a thriller mm-hmm. but i would agree i think for the most part this movie is a sci-fi film first and a horror movie second. yeah there's only really like two predominantly horror scenes, and that's the uh, scene with Michael Ironside blowing up the one dude's head, and then I would argue that the ending confrontation yes. between Stephen Lack's character, which is funny because that scene often isn't as talked about, but I would argue I think that scene is much more visually interesting than the one in the beginning. I um, think so too. They're both the great. bubbling of the veins. The yeah. the vein stuff is is so. 
so crazy to be like, that's 1981, and it's turning 40 this week as we're recording. It turns 40. Happy and like, <laughs> right? Like, it's great timing, Kurt, for picking this one. Um, but yeah, the, the, that is definitely horror, and that goes into the same category as as Cronenberg's body horror, which is a common theme. Um, but I mean, looking at his films that come before this one, those are far more horror films than this than than Scanners was. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and part of me wonders if maybe it was just at the time they didn't want to like scare off too many audiences by going more full blown horror. But mm-hmm. I would be interested. I mean, here's the thing. I like this movie, but I would be interested in a remake that was a little bit more leaning into the horror of it all. Um, that could be really interesting. Um, yeah, Darren Lynn Bousman was supposed to do a remake of it in 07, and then it basically no one heard about it again. When they asked uh, Bousman about it in 2013, he was just like, yeah, we were waiting for the approval from... Uh, I was waiting for an approval from David Cronenberg, and it just never came, so we dropped it. Mm, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the official summary of Scanners, Dr. Paul Ruth finds Vale, a powerful scanner, scanner sorry, and uses him to stop Daryl Ravick, another powerful scanner who wants to form an alliance with others of his kind to dominate the world. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the movie in a nutshell. Um, and then, I don't know, there's the, the big plot twist at the end that they're brothers, which... <laughs> I don't know, that plot twist it just kind of comes out of nowhere, it feels like. Like, I was watching this, and I was just like, oh, yeah, right, they're brothers. I totally forgot about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think of that twist? Are you a fan of it at all, or are you just like, no? Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, I... Yeah, I, it, it, it seems like writing in a corner. It does, doesn't it? It feels it, like you want to connect dots that don't need connecting. Like, I no. didn't need them to be brothers. I just, no. They were two powerful uh, scanners. That was good enough for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although, Making it lineage is weird, especially when you're when when a, a large amount of this world of this movie is is a lot of world building. Yeah, like there, there, there's there are some scenes that are just so crammed full with with information to try to to kind of uh, texture in this world that they live in, where there's the scanner program and everything. Yeah, like I mean, that's essentially Patrick McGuhan's job in this movie. Yeah, is to be that exposition, which he does really fucking well. Like I, I'm gonna, I, I like to jump ahead. I, I, I would say that McGuhan might be one of my, might be my favorite performance in the movie. Um, yeah, I could see that. And um, I mean, he's not used a super amount, but the scenes that he is used are so well put together and, and so intricate into what into the plot line of this movie. Uh, I can definitely tell you who my least favorite performance is in this entire movie. And it's Stephen Lack. Oh my gosh. This guy <laughs> just, uh, he can't seem to act his way out of a cardboard box. It's <laughs> us. Uh, my major complaint with this movie is yeah, your lead actor, like just not a good actor. And I don't know if it's just a lack of experience or what, but oh man, it was just, 
tough to watch because he didn't seem to really be competent or confident in his performance. Um, I mean, you know, his IMDB basically, you know, he, he fell off the face of the earth. Like he hasn't done too much. Um, Scanners was his fifth movie. And then he did like another, like five or six movies after that. And then, yeah, after 2002, he just stopped. And, None of the movies were ever anywhere close to Scanner's level of popularity. Most of them were like shorts. He had a bit in uh, Dead Ringers. We were mm-hmm. about that, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, uh, his performance in this is probably the the toughest because it's just like uh, so much rides on him in this movie, and yet at the same time too, it it falls apart at the same time too when you yeah. get too much yeah. attention on him. He definitely suffered from a Stephen lack of work. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm just thinking it's kind of crazy that he was like the star in a David Cronenberg movie and got no work. But at the same time, too, you know, watching this movie, I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see why. Yeah, I especially when when like when you look at the pantheon of, of lead actors that that Cronenberg has all kind of gravitated towards through his career he doesn't really fit that mold. No, he, he doesn't really even have like a leading man quality either. No. Yeah. He's the weirdest thing about this movie because this movie is so riding on him, but at the same Mm -hmm. time too, he just doesn't quite seem capable of handling the the demands of the rule. So. And it's funny because this uh, scanners too, even with that lack of, uh, uh, of kind of charisma in the lead is it, it became, um, it became uh, Cronenberg's highest grossing film uh, of his career until five years later with uh, The Fly. Yeah, and The Fly is such a classic. So um, good. Because, yeah, I don't think any of the cast came back for Scanners 2, The New Order. No. Which, uh, we have an email about that, but uh, what was the first time you watched Scanners? Uh Definitely, uh, I was I was an adult for sure, uh, probably eighteen or nineteen, um, and uh, at, you know I was going through the entire Cronenberg, um, uh, disco- I mean uh, filmography essentially, uh, in somewhat order, and um, so I watched this before I watched Videodrome. Oh wow! Uh, I, I I like Videodrome more. Um, but, uh, scanners holds its place in history, just especially like telepathy horror and telepathy sci-fi and stuff. I, I always thought find pretty interesting. Um, but I only really kind of latched onto this cause I knew that it'd become this direct to video, um, franchise sort of, and then spawned off into like scanner cop and like weird shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, Michael Ironside is a fucking Canadian treasure, and it's because of Scanners that really gave him his jumping point. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Um, first time I watched this. Oh my gosh, I am pretty sure I watched this when I was like in high school. Um, this was back in the age where you could just go into like a video rental store and mm-hmm. rent a ton of movies. And um, 
I always went off of the covers of movies. Uh, you know, back then, part of the marketing of the movie was literally you looking at the cover and just being like, that is a fucking cool cover. Like, that is just... Yeah. And just the image on the cover of um, the guy kind of like... Or, I, well, uh, Revic, uh, like, heating up and, like, all that. Like, I was just like, I don't, I don't really know too much about this movie. I think I remember it had, like, a bit of the plot on the cover, but... I just remember being like, I need, want to check out this movie. And, of course, my parents yeah. were like, why did you rent this movie? You're too young for it. But at that point, I already paid the money for it. So they were just like, oh, <laughs> just watch it. Well, there's um, no nudity in it. And besides for the head explosion, there's, I, I mean, there's a limited amount of blood in the movie, too, aside from when you get into that third act. So it's like, yeah. it's... it's not a brutal movie. Though, I mean, the head blowing up is fucking graphic. <laughs> Which uh, they used a shotgun for the. Yeah, they used a shotgun and and they filled the head with fake blood and like jello and like stuff from craft services and like there's yeah. a bunch of shit in that head. It's a it's a really good effect. Um, but yeah, I also like the effect at the end. I feel like that doesn't get talked about as much because it's interesting because no. it is a really great effect. It's just it comes at the end and the other one is much more talked about and popular, but. I don't know. I think if you're looking at this movie as a showcase for special effects, uh, you can really do much worse than than that end scene. Um, got a couple questions here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Whitney says the acting is pretty terrible, but it's an entertaining film. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. There are. I wouldn't say all performances are bad in this, but no, McGuhan's great. McGuhan's yeah. great, and and I feel like he's really pulling from his work that he did on um the prisoner years earlier oh yeah he's pulling from like the 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 antagonist from that series um and it's funny because if if you take that performance in scanners especially the the boardroom scene where where he's basically arguing with lawrence dane's character um he put if you watch that scene and i swear you put on braveheart and watch his um his performance as Longshanks in that movie, you will see so many direct correlations there. Yeah. Um, I think like, yeah, there's a lot of really solid performances in this. Uh, Steven lacks, obviously I've mentioned this before, <laughs> not, not, not a good one. Um, but like Michael Ironsides is weird though, because it feels like there's a lot of ADR on his lines. Mm hmm. I kind of was, I don't know if that was like my copy of the movie I was watching, but I definitely got the impression that like there was something going on with his audio and it kept distracting me. Um, oh, do you know anything about that? Have you heard anything? Or No, no, no I, have, I haven't. It just felt a little weird. It felt like his audio was just a little bit off from everyone else's. Yeah. Well, and he was he was originally supposed to, like, he had auditioned just for a, a background character role where he had two lines and he was going to get a couple thousand for it. And um, it turned out that uh, Cronenberg loved him so much that he just put him as, the this, like, this very main role that is so out, like, there, there are, there's a large chunk in which he doesn't appear in the movie. Yeah. Um, there, there's a large piece. I didn't in that opening scene of his character. Does he not have that that drill scar on his head? I don't notice it until uh, until they've already um, until he's already faked be, faked being drugged and put into the car. 
Oh, yeah, that little, like, scar, like, between his eyebrows. Yeah, the one that they established that he put, drilled a, a hole into his head himself and blah, 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 when they go, they show that older video of him. Yeah, it kind of, like, pops in and out. It seems a yeah. little inconsistent in that sense. Yeah, it, it's very pronounced in some points and, some, and, and, like, an afterthought in other points. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that. I saw that it was sort of blinking in and out <laughs> a few points i was trying to figure that out but i'm just like i think it's probably just the uh their uh makeup and effects budget for that day maybe just ran a little thin so yeah. um all right francis says shout out to the scanner sequels scanner cop and scanner cop 2 the showdown wait i'm like those are well, it's just sequels and asterisks, so I don't think they're the actual. Yeah. I don't think they're actual yeah. official sequels, but now I gotta want to look this up. Scanner Cop. I've never. Sure. Are we saying? Are we saying? Shout out, as in like shout out to like they exist. I guess so. Or, okay. Um, <laughs> like... Oh my god. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. This is apparently based on scanners. Uh, the synopsis for Scanner Cop is Sam Stasiak, a rookie cop with the LAPD, is also a scanner. Uh, when a string of murders begins to decimate the police department, Sam uh, faces uh, sensory uh, overload and possible insanity as he uses his powers to hunt the man responsible for the killings. And in case you were wondering, is this actually connected to scanners? It does list Cronenberg with a writing credit for creating the characters. So, um, yeah. I didn't know this existed, and I feel like the world's better off not knowing it existed from these few stills I'm looking at. It's all oh, there's an image of the lead character, uh, what I assume, with three baby heads popping out of his forehead, and that's all I need to know about this movie, apparently. Yeah, no. Um, cool. Well, Francis. Uh, shout out to those, I guess. Uh, I don't know if I'm ever going to watch those, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> I don't think... Uh, high on my list of things to watch. I'm currently in a workaholics binge right now, so I'll keep with that and maybe avoid my scanner cops for now. Um, Favorite line in this movie? Do you have a favorite? Oh, boy. Um... Probably a lot of uh, um, uh, Michael Ironside's lines, especially near the end of the movie. There's some there's some great back and forth between him and the completely wooden Stephen Lack, um, um, which may be in not. I, I it may it may have made Stephen Lack look worse, um, and especially like Michael Ironside was new at the time. Yeah. Um I I really like um I, I I really like the scene where um uh um I think his name is uh Ruth. I'm trying to remember what um yeah, uh Dr. Ruth. Mm. <laughs> Which sounds like he's a sex doctor. Um where he's uh, he's having Cameron do do the scan on on that old man, and he thinks that Cameron's getting out of control on it, everything, and uh, and Cameron just kind of stands up and releases the control, and Doctor Ruth goes, "How do you feel?" And Cameron goes, "I'm feeling crystal clear." 
It's just a weird line. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think like for me, uh, I did like that little bit with the scanner at the beginning before Revic blows him up. Like it's a little bit of an exposition dump, but I think it works relatively well. Like, you know, oh, I got to remind you that the scanning experience is a painful one. And I, like that was that was good. That uh, was pretty effective. And I, I like I like the delivery of that. Uh, so, yeah, maybe not like overly complicated, but I like that one. Um, Best performance. Like I said, definitely not going to uh, <laughs> to uh, Stephen Lack. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say Michael Ironside because, again, I feel like the ADR kind of ruined it for me. But yeah, pa- Patrick McGowan. Patrick McGowan. Uh, he he adds. I I think he adds the like. Um, he's in like an establishing piece uh, of like. Um, like of note, you know what I mean? Like he makes it all worthwhile. Like yeah. he makes it all he makes it all serious. Like because I I think outside of it, this movie is incredibly campy and could be just like dismissed. Even the whole scanners program seems slightly dismissive, but I don't know. He yeah. makes it all he makes it all work and it kind of all makes sense. And like I I have to get back to the the, the there's a re- just it's a ridiculous amount of, of world building because you're you have like a, even a whole program like like that the general public kind of acknowledges that it exists and everything so that it's been in place for a while enough for people to know what it is right so yeah. it's like I mean and the whole like they have this whole like plain crew clothes like group of like people that like take down the scanners and everything and it's like it's intricate it's super intricate and and I. It really took this rewatch to realize, like, wow, there's a lot going on behind the scenes in this one. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think it's one of those movies that just, yeah, I, it, this is a good movie, I think, overall. Like, I do enjoy it quite a bit. But, yeah, there are a few glaring issues with the performances and stuff like that that just kind of hold it back. Like I said, this movie would probably be perfect for uh, a remake. Because it's just got enough issues that I, I could see someone cleaning up the script, maybe bringing in some stronger actors and doing something interesting with it. So, but it sounds like Cronenberg has got the rights to that, and he probably isn't going to let that get made anytime soon. So, mm-hmm. um, Best kill. I'm going with the one at the end, which may be controversial because, you know, the one at the beginning is the one that everyone knows, but... The eye-popping is so disturbing. It is. It, I think it's much more of a horror kill than yeah. the the one at the beginning, which kind of just is over and done with quickly. This one just yeah. goes on for a while. They don't even show a body aftermath at all. Like Anytime they pan the shot over, there's just nothing there. There's not even blood anywhere. There's nothing yeah. there. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I'll go with the one at the end there. Even if, yeah, that's the one that most people probably aren't as aware of. But Yeah. Um, dumbest decision. I can't really think of any. I mean. No. It didn't really seem like anybody was making too irrational of a decision in this movie. Everybody no, and anytime anything went wrong, it was not at their control. It was because they were being scanned. Yeah. 
So I don't really have anything, which is fine. Not every movie has to have a dumb decision. So I think it's time to rate this. What would you give us a score of? I'm going to, I mean, this is more classic stuff. I also think it was a movie that informed a whole bunch as well. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to go with a nine out of 10. Like this is still a classic. I, I mean, it's a score. I think I also gave video drum as well. So I don't, I don't feel bad in giving the, this, especially this, like there's like a 15 year period in, in, in uh, Cronenberg's career where I'm like, they're all nine out of 10 movies. Like even dead yeah. zone or, or uh, the fly or Videodrome or, uh, the brood, uh, rabid shivers. They all deserve like these, these, it, they all deserve these scores because they, it, it is like the, the, it's the jumping point for so fucking much in yeah. horror. Oh yeah. Well, not horror, but like even like something like a history of violence is. Oh like, yes. Really strong movie. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, not not a horror movie, but go watch that movie just for Beagle Mortensen being a badass. Hell yeah. <laughs> when that crazy sex scene on the stairs. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that movie is something else. Um, <laughs> yeah, Taylor is over on Twitter at Cersianic. You can check uh, her out on there. She's got links to her stuff on there too, so go check mm-hmm. her out. She's not here, but we should still promote her. Yes. She doesn't have that much to promote. Always she praise was- and love Taylor because she deserves it. And Taylor and Taylor and, and like the friendship that I formed with you and Taylor uh over the couple of years I've been doing this show now is been such a a, a warm part of uh, of my weeks and I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. And likewise and you know you don't get to talking about this many horror movies without at least getting along with people. Like, I don't think we could have gotten this far if we, if we just plain hated each other. (laughs) Yeah. We formed a really great friendship, the three of us. And I I very much enjoyed it. Yeah. And even we're going to have Dan Nichols on for a future recording. And yeah, anytime we have Dan on, it's a good time. The Danimal. The Danimal. The Danimal. Yeah. (laughs) Dan's always a, a great to have on. And, uh, I think we're talking about unfriended dark web with him which is not, <laughs> not a great movie but no. i think talking about it with dad will make for for an interesting conversation yes um, yes i agree and steve where can people find you on the internet yeah i'm i am on uh, twitter and instagram at the steve dead uh my website stevestubbing.ca and you can hear me every week thursdays at 11 p.m pacific on the shift with shane hewitt uh, just Google that one. You'll find out where it's playing in your uh, area, or if you can just go online to uh, said radio's website, you can check it out there. Um, also keep an eye out on my website because I am going to be starting to release my own solo podcast um, in which um, it's, it's a very selfish podcast in which I'm just talking about things I want to talk about. And if people listen to it, that's cool. If they don't, it's just, honestly, it's a podcast to help with my own mental health, talking with my friends and, 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 people i love and people that i find interesting i uh, and uh our our gracious host kurt is uh, one of those people that i'll be chatting with yeah looking forward to that um yeah uh no i think sometimes too like people think that your conversation has to have like a purpose or direction but sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't like sometimes no just chat and uh let the conversation steer itself to whatever it ends up going to like exactly know. 
Yeah, because I mean, I had an, an old uh, uh, one of my one of my good friends and, and former podcast co-host uh, Matt on, and you know, we range for everything to talking to Sean about Sean Connery, about what's available on Star. To all of a sudden, we're talking about uh, Jackie Chan and and and, and uh, our first exposures to those movies. And then we're talking John Woo, and it's just like it's all over the place. But um, at the end of the day, it's just conversation about shit that we want to talk about. And and with my more movie centric friends, with we, we end up just talking about just movie in a in a blender, essentially. Yeah, um, you know, it, sometimes you just gotta talk about whatever and you know mm-hmm. you might get something out of it maybe not who knows you know sometimes it's just it's the journey not the destination that's a good way that's a that's an analogy people still use right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um cool i'm over at three nerds.com we actually i should mention this too we did a movie commentary for the first nightmare on elm street so that was a whole lot of fun um <laughs> Also, too, just because, like, that movie, there's some parts of it that haven't aged quite well. Um, laughably, at the end, when the mom gets sucked in through the door, and you can tell it's, like, a doll very clearly, it was pretty funny. So, um, yeah, we had a good good time for that. Um, yeah, I'm over on Twitter, Film Critic Kurt. I'm also on Letterboxd, Fatal Koala. I update that pretty regularly. I'm pretty good, or at least I like to try to be, to, like, after I've seen something for a review, unless it's, like, embargoed, I'll just go on there and just be like, yeah, I watched this. So, cool. Until next time, we're going to be talking about The Signal from 2007. Bye for now.